0: Brittle. Great to connect. I'm excited to have this conversation today. You're a man of, of much wisdom and, and knowledge when it comes to, to the mind. Uh, I think you've worked with just about everyone in, in my family at some stage. So uh, that makes it quite unique. We, we go back a, a long way. There we go. Uh,
1: Well, I'd like, I mean, so when I was when I was playing first grade, you guys were little blokes on the sidelines. So. Yeah, I loved. I loved playing You guys were all heroes.
0: Like I remember, you know, you know, a great group of, uh, great group of guys there, and watch watch the team evolve. And it's funny because you know, you know, the brain and how important those younger years are. You know, remember, you know, pre-seven, you know, bits and pieces of, of memories. But I was definitely around a lot of kind of high achieving males, alpha males, um, yeah, you know, quite big physical guys, and uh, you know ended up wanting to work in that environment or working in that environment and wanting to develop myself physically so how much of that do you think is is just what you you know what you see as a young
1: one well those first eight years are, like you were talking about is really critical and this is this is what we what we don't get they are 75% of your personality is done by the time you're eight years old so this is this is what this is what the science is telling us so if you're if your personality is virtually done by the time you by the time you're eight, and that's just purely the brainwaves, like right? so you've got you've got some young kids, so you you're, you're actually watching this process you know take hold. They're little sponges, and every kid, and it's because of brainwaves. So essentially, the first two years you're in a delta brainwave state, and then it just slowly starts to ramp up. So Delta's deep sleep. So the first two years, the kids can't do anything and they're just taking in so much information and processing it and they're able to because um, when we talk about super learning as an adult, all we need to do is lower our brainwave states. So that's how we learn
0: that's been known about for a long time, hasn't it? Like the the silver method, and is it does it go back before four silver method? Who who sort of brought this stuff to the world? Or who do you know as the you know?
1: Mate, I I started on my mental journey when I left home um, to go play in the NRL. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, mum mum got into MWay. Yep. And. Um what was the book? Just one of those. It was one of those classic books. How How to Win Friends and Influence People it was the first yep. self-help book I ever read. Yep. And I used it to pick up girls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the dating book.
1: I I didn't have um I didn't have any interpersonal skills really. That was one of my big downfalls is being a being a guy that basically spent his whole life playing sport I wasn't really good on the interpersonal level so I read that book and it just said basically um, what we're learning in marketing right now people love to talk about themselves and how you get someone to like you is ask them a lot of questions yeah. so I did that on dates with females because yeah. and it was a great tool for me to use you know but I actually did I probably should have expanded that out a little bit further and did that with everyone, not just not just, you know, in that particular format. But these are the thing, you know, like that was so that was my start. And I didn't um like I had the physical attributes I needed to play sport. Like I I absolutely love training. I've virtually trained every day in my life since I've been fourteen years old. So yes. Um, summertime revolved around rowing yep. and that was 10ks a day every day for you know six months of the year and then still school, school rowing club and then wanted to do this was just with a private we had a private coach who um, we okay. lived in a little town of Aluka, and yeah there was one guy in town that my brother like my brother was um, friends with um, his son. And he was, he, was, uh, he had, um, or he went to the Olympics and he got his daughter to the Olympics. Wow. Well, pretty lucky, you know, Luca. There must yeah. have been,
0: uh, the odds the odds would have been against that.
1: Yeah, in a town of a couple of hundred, you know, a couple of hundred people. Yep. And so David started to row and I just did what my big brother did and went and, and rode with him.
0: Yeah.
1: And so that was like 14 to 18 we were doing, I did that. So it was a really good fitness foundation, like a yeah. cardio, and like a yeah, cardio sure.
0: foundation. The mental toughness, I guess, as well. Like you would have, you know, it's it's a tough sport. And it, just, it sort of makes keep, you know, the idea that you keep going in footy. Like Trent Robinson, you know, was massive on, you know, I won't say the exact words, but he had a, he had a line around keep going that he was always, you know, pushing with the players. I think... If you've done something like rowing, then you've you've almost got that mentality built into you of I'm not going to stop. Like there's no way I'm going to stop. And in in something, if you carry that to footy, then you know, I imagine coaches would have seen that in you as well.
1: Oh, well, it's, it's a you know rowing's a red line sport. It's a yeah. it's a anaerobic threshold. You're on your anaerobic threshold the whole time, and if you go too fast, you're going to blow out. If you go too slow, you're going to lose. Yeah. It it was a it was a great trainer for pain, and that translate that translated over into running and whatnot in rugby league and being able to deal with pain and you know push through those kind of barriers. So yeah, it was a great like I mean it was a great mental trainer, but um, one dimension, and this is this is what I understand now with the with the mind. What yeah. I was doing back then was one dimensional because I. It really only got me good at sport. I like yeah. got me good at doing the, you know, doing the work and essentially abusing my body. Yeah. So you you worked then? Now
0: you you know you've worked with a lot of athletes, a lot of different sports. Like I know that you've worked with some CrossFit uh, people. You know, that seems like up there with rowing um, it's more complex and you, you know there's more of opportunity to slow down you have to actually decide to to start a new cycle of something basically you know the, the elite guys are going straight into the next thing where the other person will just take that extra couple of steps or a couple of breaths before they start how how, how can the mind you know what, what do you actually do with the mind to help them to make that transition
1: faster or you know, get those reps a little bit sooner? That's a really good question because it's um, – and as soon as you started to ask it, I'm, I'm starting to process in my brain the question, right? So it's actually not about what they do on the floor. It's about what they do in the whole life. Yeah. Because sport just amplifies what's going on. Yeah. Well, right? So when yeah. I'm working with someone, we're working with things that technically aren't related to the sport.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's related to those, normally those first eight years of childhood. Because yep. that, like, that's where the limits are put into your brain. Like, that's where the limits are put into your mind. Um, whatever you, you know, like all these little sayings, whatever you believe to be true is true. Yeah. But the, the problem with what we're dealing with here in the mind is 95% of what we believe to be true is below our awareness. Yeah. And we have to go through and discover what is in our row, so then we can actually reprogram or we call it remapping memories, remap the memories so that doesn't come up in the prediction. So if we so take it back a little bit, we need to understand, and this has been one critical thing for me, we need to understand how the mind actually fires, how it actually works. Because if you understood that we actually never make a conscious decision ever, we are not conscious beings. We think we have free will, but there's, a, there's actually a, a precise time that we have free will. We work on a six hundred milli an estimated six hundred millisecond delay. So our brain's already made the decision, and then the action, reaction, emotion, whatever we're whatever we're in at the time comes out. So it could be you know that thing where they're going in to start something new on a um, you know on a on the next round, you know, yeah. or it could be the react the. The emotion that's going to come up when your wife says something to you equally will have an effect on you and your performance. And it can it could be even something that came up, like your wife said to you, that goes and affects your performance when you go out to out to perform. Does that make sense? Well, how how does what the wife
0: say? You know how how does what the wife says or, or the reaction that you have in that moment how's that going to impact my my chin ups later in the day?
1: if you've got it still running around your head, if if it's like some if like I mean, probably not as much when you're talking about you're going into your training, but if you're in the middle of a competition, yeah, and there's and there's a negative seed already in there, those negative seeds can grow. And that could that could affect you know one of your thought patterns that would lose you you know lose you a couple of seconds in an event which loses you the event.
0: How do the negative thought patterns grow? Because you know you've worked with lots of athletes, and you you know you see this stuff, but you know how how does it you know how how do how do they grow? How do they take up brain space that you know can find you know can give you new levels of performance?
1: So, so essentially, what I'm trying to do is minimise the negative, the, the negative emotional um, predictions that your brain makes, so yeah. you're in the moment. In the, so you're actually can be in the moment when you're doing your event.
0: So you're not saying to yourself, "Oh, I'm going to lose here. I'm too slow. I've never been good enough at this exercise or whatever." So that self-talk isn't underpinning why you're actually going through the the process. So,
1: so if you if you have something like that going through. That's actually not the, the competition creating it. that's your brain going, this is how I'm going to deal with this particular event with my body feeling this particular way.
0: Yeah,
1: All right So it's a prediction. Your brain predicts 600 milliseconds before the action actually happens. So this is this is and being athletes we, why do we practice so much? Yeah. why do we and you said it yeah i heard you say it on facebook the other day you become what you do right so you're you're talking about the movements you become what you do it's exactly the same in the mind this is why i love coming from an athlete perspective on the mind perspective because it's <laughs> so the the same things are happening in your brain when you're doing a bicep curl or a squat or a you know a deadlift or whatever neurons are firing in a particular pathway right yeah so in an emotion neurons fire in a particular pathway so um, an emotion is a trained response to the that you have from the input that comes in your brain deciphers that input and says this is how i'm going to deal with that particular situation whether it be a squat whether it be talking to your wife who yells at you for doing something they're same. Yeah. they're the same pathway in the brain they're like not the same pathway but they're a pathway in the brain that your brain selects for you, you don't select it. Your brain selects it for you that you have no choice until you become aware of it.
0: So do you think about this when you're training? Like Does it pop up, you know, or is it already, you know, how, how does this impact your your physicality now? Because <clears throat> you're not competing as a professional athlete now, I don't think, but, you you know, you, you did for a long time. Like
1: um, well probably be easier is if, if I had this brain back on the back on the 20-year-old, how would it affect me? Um, I would have virtually zero stress. So you can imagine what not having to worry about what your coach thinks of you, what your coach is gonna say at half time what your teammates think of you, what you what you done with your girlfriend that week, if you've broken up, all this kind of stuff, there would be none of that negative mental effect in my game like or minimised mental effect, negative mental effect. So um, process on, like just think about what would happen if you didn't have stress in your life the, and the cascade of stress hormones happening when you don't need them to happen. So there, and I think you could you will you will relate to this because um, there were times when you push yourself so hard that you break down, right? For oh. sure. So if you had no other stress in your life and you could just do the physical work, as soon as you finish the physical work, your body will start to recover. That will enable you faster recovery. That will enable you to be able to do more work. Um, you know. Like, like a steroid effect, but yeah. obviously, obviously nowhere near that capacity, right? But that's all steroids do is allow you to recover quicker, so you can actually yeah. do more, right? So this is this is what minimizing stress will do for athletes. It's and going when to impact we, the. Yeah,
0: sorry. It's going to impact the hormones and the, the sex hormones. Um,
1: it's it's your response it's, to training. Yeah, it's going to impact every every hormone cascade because if we so what the biggest thing I think we deal with in sport and what the biggest thing i dealt with in sport was we'd go do the physical training but I would also have mental stress on top of the physical stress so as a 20 year old running around who could handle the physical stress but I also I only handled the physical stress because I was 20 and my hormones were at their peak I got to play for five years pretty well solid. I think I missed two games in five years and then I wiped myself out and missed two years with an ACL reconstruction and then another ACL reconstruction on the same knee within three games. Yeah. So I got five years out of my body but that was always pushing from stress on stress on stress. Yeah. Because I couldn't control mentally. how are your knees now um well the um knee ability stuff that i've just started my knees haven't felt this good for 10 years it is literally mind-blowing and this is why i love it being involved in the whole process of what we're doing here yeah um yeah i've got so double reconstruction on one knee and you know i've got a university degree in sports science and to put your knee over your toe was just a sin. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. I think that's what, you know, that's what we're looking for is those I think people get confused about when you talk about things like the mind, and if we could find two percent, three percent, like that's that's the difference between being average or not making it and and making it or from being average to being the best ever like it's it's those kind of percentages that that make the difference if your team's two or three percent better than the other team then the chances of you you know all the other teams the chance of you winning the competition are are very high so you know you're going to have to probably do something that other people aren't doing and you know when you do the knee ability work like, and I, I felt that straight away, Tony, as well. That's why, I, and I know this was sort of messing with a lot of the concepts that Ben has there around strength curves and force curves. And I wasn't thinking, don't put the knee over the toe. Like, I, I was, you know, knew that that wasn't the case, but there's other stuff within the system that he, you know, the way that he works things that are very uncommon. And I, I started doing it. I was like, oh, this is, you know, he's definitely solved something important here. And, you know, I needed to share it, um, when I've done the work with you, you know, we've done some sessions and you've done sessions with other people in, in my life. There's definitely a feeling of like, this feels really good. I know this has made a difference. Um, somehow with the mind, it's like more elusive in terms of that, you know, tan- the tangibility of the outcome, I guess, is something that I, I've you know battled with, with all the mind development side of things, whether it's with your technique or other things I've done, like,
1: how, how is it like with the are you are you always up against that absolutely absolutely because it's intangible yeah and i can tell you what i'm doing is so different to what's out there it's not until you see the results and experience the results for yourself can you actually believe the results you get
0: so you, you talked a bit you told us a bit about the technique, like the so with the memory map the the memory that the offending memory or the first time you felt bad about something, you know, you want to change that memory. Like how, how can a memory be changed if it's already in the past?
1: Um. So every time you remember a memory, right, you're going back to the event that happened in the past. So what, ha- what are you doing with the memory if you remember a memory? You're actually bringing it into the now because your body doesn't know, your brain doesn't know that that event didn't happen now. guess what your brain has locked all these things in and you are actually in the event of the past experience when your brain makes a decision so you know how your brain i'm saying your brain's predictive it goes back to that past event and goes this is how i dealt with this in the past this is how i'm going to deal with it again it's a neurological pathway so if you do that often, does that neurological pathway get bigger and stronger? Yeah, the answer, yes. If you squat more, does the neurological pathway that fires in your brain get bigger and stronger? Yes. Yeah. So same for a memory. But what we, So 50% of your memories are fictitious anyway. They're just made up. And you can actually decide how you remember an event. So if you bring that memory into the future, from the past into the into the now, you can actually go, okay, I've got a like I've got a fifty year old brain, and I'm bringing an event from eight years old to to the present. I can use my fifty year old brain and put my wisdom on that and put it into the memory that I had at eight, and then put it back to eight years old. So it's not hard. It's just you. There's a process to it, and really interesting i've been working with an actress um, out of new york and we're taping every session for a tv show that she does we can actually see this live on film now the instant that the the brain changes you can actually see the emotion leave her face you can she stops crying you can see the smile come on her face the energy lifts the posture changes it actually happened, It like we're showing it live now, which is really cool. And, but it's, life's, life's actually not really that hard, Keith. It's made up of a bunch of things, a bunch of events that we had when we were kids that we didn't have any choice about because our, we didn't have a conscious mind, one that could actually um, think and because that's just the way the brain, brain is when we're kids, and we just absorbed all the information. So 75% of the stuff that you already know could be completely false. Most of it is, especially if it's, if it's attached to a negative emotion.
0: Yeah, you're definitely going to look back at stuff that happened when you were seven or eight or six when you didn't get picked in a sporting team or you got pushed over or your mum shouted at you or all those things have a different perspective now than, than what they had. At uh-huh. that time. It makes sense that if, if those things are, are still there and, and you've actually been making decisions based on that memory, not consciously, but it sort of make it makes sense that when you're eight, you probably make decisions based on what happened when you're seven or when you were six. So it makes you know that just you just ladder up right to the present moment where you're still making decisions based on that.
1: Yeah, as a as a 50 year old, I can make 4 year old decisions. Yeah, I'm a I'm a lot further down the track than a lot of people because I've been doing the work for eight years. But
0: um, how did you come across this work? Like the eight, eight years, like what triggered you to? To go down this path when you've, you know, you've been down sports science path, you've worked with, you know, teams on the physical strength and conditioning side of things. Like, how did you end up doing this instead of just getting people results in the gym?
1: Mate, I was 40 years old and I wanted to step off. Like literally was going, if if life doesn't get any better than this, I'm going. I hate the place. So that's a mental thing, right? And I've
0: and do always. What was um? Because uh, I'm coming around for forty, I don't want to be there.
1: Well, but this is that, uh, like, mate, I'm forty years old. Um, I really it was my marriage that my meeting my wife that kept me alive. Like, just gave me some hope. Yeah. So it was really interesting. And then, I, then a guy I was working with. I, I used to sell nutritional products and. He actually rang me up and said, "Oh, you got to go to this seminar." And I went, mate. I've been to a thousand seminars, um, but I went because he told me to. Just because I respected him enough, and he was he was different enough for me to just believe. So I went to the seminar, and that changed my life. I found a process that actually worked, um, and worked with me, and ha- and it changed my mind, changed the way I thought. So the world used to be black and white. Used to, there used to be nothing but right or wrong um it was a very closed out closed in and i wasn't very happy now it's it's a completely different story as in what i think of the world even even with what's happened in the last 12 months like, there's really no effect to what's going on out there because there's nothing there is nothing going on out there that doesn't happen in here first so you so, went to that seminar and you were
0: you just instantly knew that like, no. that's what you need to be doing or
1: no I so um, pretty type A personality professional athlete um, pretty headstrong had a had you know a science background all this kind of stuff and I walked in to this thing and the guy who was teaching the seminar was wearing white linen sandals very feminine and um I just sat there and crossed my arms and went, "Yeah, this stuff's going to really work, right?" Uh, it actually took me six months to get through the first two-day seminar, and it took me six months to actually remap a memory for the first time. Only reason I stayed in it is because my wife, um, picked it up straight away and was getting massive results with it, and I felt like I was a little bit left out, but I kept going back. So it literally took me 6 months to get over my first lot of hurdles because it is really it is really easy and I had a belief that it had to be harder it wasn't worth doing
0: so because you knew because it was so hard for you to get into did that lead you to kind of changing the, the you know, refining techniques and going further to so people didn't have to go through that first 6 months because most people aren't going to go through 6 months of like
1: you know, correct so I've got one. I've got a young soccer player that I worked with who was signed at sixteen um, to go to Sydney Olympic, and he was he was earmarked to play for Australia within three years. He was that good. Yeah. Three years later, he he came back to Logan, um, power between his legs. and Mentally, couldn't cope. Within three months. Well, within seven days, he lost all his anxiety, like we worked through his anxiety. Within three months, he was walking down the street and had a, um experience of essentially enlightenment, just the, the feeling of unity and peace and love and joy. Hit him all at once while he was walking down the street. He rings me up and goes, this just happened, and I'm sitting there laughing, going, three months took me. Uh, I'm still not there yet i have I have glimpses of I have glimpses into that state. He was walking three months walking down his street in the middle of Logan and literally having a it's called a non-symbolic experience in the science terms, so enlightenment, non-symbolic experience. Um, he got to play thirty three games of soccer this year. The team won thirty two of them. He played every game, didn't have an injury. And he got player of the whole competition. So yes, it's we've refined it. What took me six months to get, I get people over in two hours now, most of them. Um, and if you, if you, oh, like, I'll, I'll put you on to the show I'm doing with this this girl in America. Ten weeks. She's nearly finished the first two programs and I'm only talking to her once a week. Like she's and she is flying. She's got she in the first four weeks we we're working, she got and this is in the middle of COVID, got two got two, um got two gigs for doing commercials. And in in the recent time, she's just had someone who offered her well over fifteen thousand dollars worth of production work to get a get a pilot off the ground. For, for free, so so is it a, is it a
0: bit like you know with the secret and and those kind of ideas where if you've got to focus on if your energy changes and you're focusing on something else then you know things are going to change for you. How does it make such a direct impact when they, these memories change and you're making different decisions because you don't if you remap a memory that's forced you to make. You know, shitty decisions, or think about um, a negative outcome first all the time. You remap that. How's that going to get you a commercial, or get you to the top of the league?
1: You know, this kid okay. to be. Uh, so we've got to go back to performance. How do, what is what is the ultimate performance state for athletes, actors, musicians? Um, it actually crosses to anything, even factory workers. What's the ultimate working state? The like
0: the flow state, isn't it? Yeah
1: flow state of the zone what's the yeah. flow state of the zone it's a particular brainwave frequency, frequency and a bunch of chemicals that have a cascade release right so what's what actually happens when you get into the zone prefrontal there's areas of prefrontal cortex that shut down the rest of your brain lights up so you're, you're getting this um so time dilates focus narrows and there's one other thing i can't remember it right now but there's there's a process right to be in the zone
0: yeah
1: so when then go then go to the psychology side of it and go well you know how we got the little negative voice in our head that's called the default mode that's when our mind wanders and takes us off track and when we when we haven't learned how to focus the default mode just switches in, and then that just takes us everywhere, and then that's the one that that's the little negative voice that um chirps all the time. It says you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, whatever, whatever it says, right? So that's a little negative voice that you lose when you get into the zone. That just switches off. Prefrontal cortex shuts down, um, default mode shuts down. The little that little voice comes from all those negative emotional experiences that you have as a kid. And every time you go and wipe out one of those that little voice quietens down the fault mode just quietens down and allows you to focus more. So the more we take the more work we do the more we quieten down that part of the mind because it's only going it's going over old stuff it's going on this is how I'm this is how I need to survive in this world. The more we quieten that down, the more focus you're able to get. The more you can hear it, you can actually hear the thoughts in your head, and you can actually sit there and have a conversation with them without buying into the emotion that they're putting in. So most people don't have any space. Their brains are going twenty four seven because that's all they practice. That's why meditation's great. That's why you know Wim Hof breath works good. It actually switches off these components, right? And strengthens the focus components. So if you can actually sit there and so remember, we said the brain's predictive and it predicts off all these old habitual behaviors and patterns that we got, before, 75% of them we got before we we're eight years old. Yep. They're, just, they're just firing away the whole time. The more you can go in and sort this mess out that we, that we created before we we're eight, the quieter and quieter your brain gets. So the, the closer and closer you're going to be to the zonal state in the first place. So I know, it's, sorry, it's a long way to explain it, but that this is it's really, really important. If we can get that, if we can quieten that down, we can actually be closer to that front-end process. Because the default mode is literally switching off and we can actually just focus, we can focus more intently. So how does how does it how does it get her to get more jobs because she, one she walks into an she walks into an audition unattached to the outcome because the little voice is not there, not telling her that she needs this to make money or she's she's not good enough for this she's actually then then she can be in the present moment if she's not attached to the outcome and this and these are these are also belief systems we have to lay in as well as part of um, mental skills coaching, what you what you do, you become. What you think, you will act. Essentially, so we've got to actually perceive the world a different way as well. So with the program, we're not just doing this remapping memories. We're we're actually um, inlaying. We're we're teaching how to actually write your um, goals down, and then be in your goals every morning and night as you wake up in the morning you're actually you're reciting your goals you're elevating your emotions and you're focusing on in on your mind what is the most important thing we need to do today right so reticular activation system if you can actually activate that then it starts looking for the particular thing you're getting right so this is all they're talking about in the secret and stuff
0: yeah yeah
1: so yeah, that's why goals are so important. We we've got a very small capacity to hold hold anything in our conscious mind. It's all in our subconscious mind, and it needs to be brought to our conscious mind. Yep. So if we wake up every morning, if we wake up every morning and let our brain do what it wants to do, what we've practiced to do for the last you know twenty or thirty years, we're just going to get the same result. So if we get up every morning and we have our goals. We, our goal is the first thing we think about, and the emotional state we want to be in is then is the is what we connect to it. That puts your brain on act, you know, action to actually drive to that goal, right? So, and then as you quieten down that the default mode, or the or we call it the ego, as you quieten down the ego, you're actually you you're actually can be with your mind. And just listen to your mind, and not even buy into the emotions that it has. So you've actually got space. We've created space, so it's not just constantly coming at you. And that's all. When I talk to anxiety or depression sufferers, they've just got this constant barrage of information, whether it be worry about the future or worry about the past. You know, that's that's the spectrum of anxiety and depression. So their skills. Anxiety is a skill, and so depression is a skill. It's not a chemical imbalance. So we need to actually re-practice skills.
0: The chemical imbalance is secondary or like the chemistry that typifies certain situations, like, for example, having a lot of cortisol in the blood or, you know, um, adrenaline and going into a certain situation that doesn't need adrenaline
1: That so that's a different thing to what they're doing with you know depression and anxiety right with the pills they're giving to change the chemicals all so all we need to all we need to know about the the um the mental health side of things is show me the chemical and can you do the test on my brain to show me the chemical imbalance right i want to see the chemical imbalance before you give me the pill and then give me the pill and then show me what the chemicals are actually doing in my brain they can't do it because they can't measure the chemicals in your brain they've been guessing on this for a long long time so the mental health side of it i like it's a, it's a skill if there's a chemical imbalance it's because it's caused because of the thoughts but they've never really proven a chemical imbalance so it's it's a pretty hard one they haven't got a test to, to test for the chemical imbalance either. So just have to be a little bit logical. like I mean, a lot of people probably arc up at that, but it's show me the test, prove it scientifically first to me, and then I might believe you. Because I've seen, you know, like with this soccer player, I've seen anxiety gone within seven days.
0: Yeah, and everybody knows that, you know, all... The vast majority of people have experienced massive shifts in emotion based on the environment that they're in. You know, you go to a music concert, you feel different. So how do you, you know, how do you put yourself in that different, you know, different environment, different state? But it doesn't have to be that you go to the concert to feel, you know, whatever you need to feel. Like if if you can if you can have an emotional shift, then then it's just, you know, a question of when, you know, what when you have that and when you don't I guess like I was definitely a really anxious kid and then you know I battled with depressive you know thoughts and, and and ideas of you know don't know if I want to keep doing this stuff you know quite a lot in my teens I remember being you know as a kid like really worrying about if I was going to forget my books at school or you know not you know not bring my pencils or whatever when I was like six years old um, I, I used to be super anxious about not doing the right thing um, but then at some point like I think for me it was a lot about in my 20s just getting away from it all like and I, I like breaking away from all those structures like a lot of those habits and loops kind of dissolved when I realized you can do whatever the whatever the frick you want and and not many people are going to say much about it as long as you you know stay within the laws or don't get caught then nothing you know you can, you can pretty much do what you want. Living in Latin America was a lot, you know, it was that freedom, I guess, that I felt over there that, that I think gave me the this, this space and like rewilded my brain to be able to then work in the footy environment in a different way than I could have before. And then, and then you know, have the courage to start my own business and things where you, a lot of other people would have been really fearful of what if it doesn't work like i had a, I had a new baby and whatnot and I left the security of the footy job but i didn't all that i wasn't so fearful like definitely you know, you have times of anxiety or, or or you know things with that but the, gradually all that stuff is sort of a dissolved um yeah I guess like what would your observation be around? You know, some would say it's just growing up, you know, like
1: um, and, and getting some other experiences that that shape, oh, you know. You, you just explain what happened. You changed your environment. You went and lived in a different environment. You learned yep. something too, so you gained some wisdom that you didn't have when you were six, and that changed the way your mind was. Yeah. Imagine having that skill anytime you need it in the environment that you're in now. Essentially, that's all I teach. I teach you how to recognise a negative emotional state, how it makes you feel, the belief that's attached to it, where it comes and what age did it come in, what age did you get it, and then go and remap that memory. It's done for you. You don't have to change countries. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But, like, I mean, you've just given, but you did it through uh, a changed mindset, right? Because you were, you would have been of, of the elk of feel the fear and do it anyway, right? Didn't mean you didn't get Guess what? When you feel the fear and do it anyway, your world expands.
0: Yeah.
1: Then your world expands. And then your world expands. And then your world and so your world just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's the it's we can definitely do it through experience. It's just a slow way to do it. Yeah, okay. Like, this is what I'm finding. This is what I've found out. It's the slow way to do it. You go in and it's it's those memories you have of being a child and people go, I don't remember being a child. Well, all we have to do is lower your brainwave down, get you in a super learning state, and then our conscious mind is like a boardroom. It's just a place where thoughts are held and come to your awareness, right? We're not conscious. They all come out of your unconscious mind. So if you're sitting there in a beta, in a normal, beta, normal beta brainwave state, you can process two thousand bits a minute. So you can have two thousand bits of information in your conscious mind. If we drop to the alpha theta borderline, which is the zone state, so why does why does an athlete feel almost perfect when he gets into the zone? Because he's processing eleven million bits bits per second instead of two thousand. Do you think he's going to have more coordination? You think he's going to have looks feel like he's had got the super super sensory perception because he can see ahead and everything's slowed down, or he and he feels like he, he knows two plays ahead and all this kind of stuff? That's a brainwave state. How many athletes practice lowering their brainwave while they're actually in competition, while they're doing their competition? I wouldn't say many. No we've got a device that you can wear while you're running and triath- triathletes and, and marathon runners are doing this now and they're getting a 20 percent increase in efficiency by by being in the upper, by training in the alpha the borderline state. is that a like the muse kind of there's a there's one that we found that's called focus band. Is it and similar it was, sort
0: of technology to?
1: Yes, it's a soft headband that you can wear and it was designed for golfers. So the, okay. the, guy, the guy in Australia designed it and um, Adam Scott was the first guy that wore it. Yeah. In 30 weeks, he went from 30 in the world to number one in the world, stayed there for two years. Now which everyone's eight, on it. By train? No, well, everyone's not on it, which is the scary thing. Okay. Everyone's I, I
0: haven't heard about that one. I yeah, I looked. I got a Muse a few years ago, and it was. Uh, it does seem like it has something to it. I just got sick of the cycle of connecting it all to my phone and recharging it, and I don't know. It just becomes tedious sometimes when you've got a lot of things going on in your life. But I do yeah. think that you know those biofeedback devices. Even uh, you know, I've been a big fan of the HeartMath one as well. Like the biofeedback does seem to give some people that tangible feedback of, okay, yeah, well this, I can actually, I can feel it, but I'm also seeing it represented on a computer, which is, you know, kind of how my generation has grown up, you know, to a, to a large extent you know, or even more and more for those that are, you know, 10 years younger than me. Um,
1: it works for me. I love the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like got, I've, I've got part math. I've got the, um. I've had a muse, um, I now use focus band because I can walk around with it on. I yeah. can actually like it, it's it's done so the the noise is taken out and you can so um, we can teach goal kickers how to kick in the zone. We can teach um, you know line out throwers how to throw. You can teach runners to lower their brainwaves while they're running.
0: And you just kind of fall back into that state in the way that you can fall into the pattern of juggling, or you can fall into playing a guitar. You know, you, you can just fall into
1: it's called training. It's called a skill. Yeah. So any skill, juggling, like juggling's a really good one. So just imagine if you imagine if you so juggling is um, a prediction of where your hand needs to be when you see the ball coming down. You can't make those decisions quick enough, right? So the more you juggle, the more the more possible predictions your brain can make on the ball. So that's why you get better. So that just so it's a skill, and your brain is predicting the skill. We wouldn't be able to hit a baseball thrown at us from a baseball mound if we didn't couldn't predict it. You know, same with a cricket bat and a ball, same with catching a football coming at us. They come too fast. That's why we practice so much. So the brain can predict where it's going and make adjustments. So if it's not going where it needs to go, the brain runs through another algorithm, another prediction and changes the red right direction of the hand where it needs to be to catch the ball. It's all happening so, before time.
0: Do you see... I had a few questions. The, the, can you reprogram the brain with future visions in the same way that you can with going back to the past? Like, does it work the same way to expect better in the future and have a clear vision of that and know how that feels? And, you know, is there a difference between past and future, I guess is what I'm...
1: There is only one state that we can be in, the one place we can be is, is in the now. Yeah. But you can, the, this is the, the, the really cool thing about the human brain is we can imagine the future. Yeah. So when we can imagine, and that's just, our subconscious mind bringing it into the conscious mind or unconscious mind or bringing it into the conscious mind to bring it in as a thought, right? Yeah. So we can um, elevate elevated emotions. So how do you you create an elevated emotion in your body? You think of a memory from the past that created that emotion in the past, right? And then your brain can attach it to an event in the future. So, but what's the future? Why do we want to think about the future event? Why do we want to? Why do we want to think about the future event with a positive emotion attached to it? Because our brain's going to look for everything. that's going to put the steps in the road for us to get there. We're going to. Yeah. We're going to be looking for the steps. Now, we're not going to be distracted by four billion bits of information going into our brain at once. Every second, four billion bits. We get in a in a beta brainwave in the normal waking state. Two thousand bits can be processed at a time. Four billion bits. So what do we miss? What? Everything. Virtually everything. So if we want to be good at something, if we want to have, if we want to get to a goal, we've got to have the goal. That's why it's so important to write those goals down. Right. Because then your brain's going to be looking for those goals. It's an easy way to think about it. Everyone would have done this. If you're into cars, you would have done this, right? You would have saw a new car on the road, and you went, "Oh my god, that's a beautiful car!" And then all of a sudden, you see that car all the time now, where you never saw one before that's the reticular activation system in at work because now it now you become aware of it now you actually start spotting them on the road where you didn't spot them on the road before mm-hmm. that's what you want to do with a goal every morning you get up with a goal and then your brain is looking for everything that's going to get you towards that goal it's not going to be thinking about the stupid shit that you did on the weekend it's not going to be it's going to we're going to narrow the focus to actually get to the goal
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the the challenge of the 21st century or right now is there's so, like the battle is for your attention, right? Like if if it's very difficult to keep your attention on what you actually want versus, you know, devices and marketing and things are better and better at putting your attention on what they want you to put your attention on and knowing the cascade, even the personalized cascade for you to buy stuff, you know, primarily the driver of, of the modern, you know, the information age is all about that economic outcome. Uh, that's where most of the innovation, you know, the great minds are going into building apps and, and marketing and, and sales and these things. And and we're learning about these things as well, you know, with Elite Money Club. I, get, I sort of see it as a battle between, you know, people who want to really do good things for the world and knowing how to use that stuff to help the world versus I, I feel like the dominant forces behind, marketing and whatnot, you know, they were driving cigarettes and they were driving, you know, um, foods that don't take us to places that we actually want to go. And now we're actually getting hold of the same understanding and techniques and, and awareness to, to put that behind, you know, better projects. I mean, that's that's what excites me about Real Movement. And, and you know, now with Elite Money Club, um, you know, the opportunity to work with guys who are clear on, I really, you know, there's something I really would love to to improve about the world. And, and then powering them up with these these specific skills, um, you've been going through this process with with your brain um, of you know new new information, challenge towards new skills. Like how how's the journey been on the skills and emotions side for you? You know, in a new environment at this stage in your life.
1: So, kid, I, I joined an elite money club because I needed new skills and um techniques for my business right so every button's been pushed in this um process but the real cool thing is uh, and now i've been able to watch it instead of being involved in it i've been able to watch it and nothing's really taken me off track to um you know stop me Whereas I know I, I know other times and other courses I've done I've actually haven't been able to get through the process. I've written more in this program, and because we're doing the copywriting side of it, I've got a 16-page um, sales letter written, and I had no marketing whatsoever before. Like I've done it all word of mouth up until now. Yeah. So, I'm 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 a, in the money club. I'm purely working on the generation of income side. Yeah, I'm literally going. I need income. I'm I'm sitting on you know uh, some other stuff that it's that gives me peace of mind, and I'm literally working on income then, so I can start to grow all the other aspects that we're talking about in money club. But my, yep. but, but essentially, my goal is to help the world more than it is to make money. I, well, you could.
0: The only way you're going to get, you know, for example, if you're going to make ten million dollars, you can you can either do that and end up in jail, or you can help a lot of people. Like that's pretty much the only options that are available, you know. To to you at the moment, like, how else are you going to? If if you say, which you know. I like the way Paul places with the investments and stuff of like, okay, that's gone. Whatever you've invested in the past, doesn't matter about that. What 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 can you do now? And how can you, you know, how can you generate your life about this? Like he's obviously got lots of investments, but then his philosophy is like, if I never touch those investments, then great. You know, I'll just live from what I'm doing each year and that'll keep me sharp um, and live, you know, that becomes a great life because you love that. You love that process. Like I could see you, going down a similar path to that where it's like, yeah, great. I'm financially, you know, abundant. There's no, there's no fear. There's no, I can do what I like, but at the same time, like why would I stop this when, you know, it's, it's making a, yeah, it's making a serious positive impact on people. What, what do you think is, you know, let's fast forward. Like this goes to plan. You, you, you know, I think you're already starting to see some changes in just being able to express, what you do a little bit more differently and uh, different, you know, in different ways, and understanding how people are going to respond initially to messages. You, you know, in the long term, people love what you do and they experience something. But in the in the immediate, like, am I going to engage with with Tony Priddle or not? You know, you, you've learned you're learning new things about that. Like, where's this going to go if if uh, if the world adopts this? If you know, if if you if it becomes a more mainstream way for. For athletes to look at it or you know what's your what's what's the vision four years from now where where are we going to be
1: well the, the big plan is to it's the athletes are a means to an end I I want to work with athletes because I actually know them I was one of them um, and it's also a place where I think we can show human potential um, to to its greatest extent right because that's what they're here for that's what they're doing right yeah um you know you talked about three two three percent i like 10 to 30 is what i think we can do i've got one tennis player that i work with has has improved to ranking by 30 percent doing nothing else but mind training and same coach same training methods same process and don't worry there's a lot we could do on the physical side now i'm starting to see how much on the physical side we could do with her but just on the mental, she improved her performance she improved her ranking by 30 mm-hmm. percent so imagine taking that into an nrl club and, pre- and bringing those guys that are at the bottom end of the scale the the average of the you know the ones that are going to fall out of the system and picking them up 30 percent but not that just picking everyone up on on their level by 30%. That's what it, like I mean I actually see that and I can and I've got an example of the tennis player and the soccer player that I work with. He went from not wanting to run on the field because he was anxious to winning player of the competition, playing in 33 games, winning 32 of them and you know um, he will potentially be going back to the A league this year. So, but that's that's to get it, that's to get the method and the processes mainstream. Yep. Because we need to do something about mental health in the world. And if I've got athletes that are doing this and their mental health is rock solid and their performances is they're they're like Superman now. Because I, I can see with the combination of the stuff that you guys are doing with the movement pro side of it. And the mental side of it, it's a completely different ball game. Like I want, I want knees that that won't break. You know, like knee ability stuff is is insane. Yeah. But then add that onto a, a to a impervious mind that that is locked on a target, but not locked up, not locked on a target with ego, with love they do it because they love to do it because they want to express themselves and their brains quiet 90% of the time and they and they actually like themselves or not like themselves love themselves so the potential just in just in recovery and the stuff we talked about earlier but the size of the energy that like the electromagnetic field around someone actually grows the lighter they like the, the higher they rise up that consciousness scale, the bigger the electromagnetic field, the more people they affect when they're just walking around the streets. This might not be heard of in sport yet, but if we can generate an electromagnetic field of love around us, um we we become lighter. So we actually become enlightened. That's all it means. It's the it's the way the cell vibrates. The faster it vibrates, the lighter we get. Less resistance we have.
0: And I think we've all experienced that with certain you know certain people joining or leaving a team or a certain coach. You know, um, there's clear differences in how everyone feels and behaves you know, based on what's going on with certain, you know, there are people that have a much bigger influence and it makes sense that there's something physical to it because we all know it, you know, uh, experientially or most of us are really clear on that.
1: Imagine doing mental skills to elevate your emotional state. And... I will like. I mean, probably a little bit too far for some people. But what about telepathic communication? I know that happened on the field. With I, I played, I got to play with Cliffy Lyons in a um, City First game one one year. I had a, on the field. He just hit me every time. He just knew where I was going to be and hit me and put me in a hole every time that I had. Every time he gave me the ball, there was something going on on a different plane with with Cliffy Lyons and I that day. But you don't realise it until after it happens. But this shit does work. This shit this shit happens. Imagine training it. Like the Red Bull um, Air Force, when they when they got hired to do a jump off um, a tower in uh, in one of the uh, Transformer movies, they actually went and practiced ESP for this jump. So this stuff's being doing and being used in the sports world but it's not being utilized in some of the traditional sports.
0: That that's I guess what makes it's exciting you know it's exciting to look at from a, from an athletic perspective or from a world you know mental health human performance perspective. What I also love about it is you know you, you're really clear about Doing something really good with your life, and there's you know there's a reason every day for you to be you know at your best, you know to to get yourself um, into the state that you need to be in, etc. Like I feel as though you know I think every every person needs to find that thing that they they're happy to give their lives to. You know I can see I can feel that you're happy to to give your life to this. Like life is is uh, is becoming you're getting closer to the end. We're all getting closer to the end knowing something that you want to achieve or something that a process that you're in just makes life so much more livable. And that's, I think everybody, everybody needs that, you know, And whether people, some people listening to this today might go, well, yeah, like I really want to get deep into this mind training. I know I find another level in terms of personal experience of the mind, but whatever it is, like, even if it's, just one tool because you want to achieve an outcome as an athlete or you want to achieve an outcome in business or you want to achieve, you know, a certain relationship with your children. Like if, if that, whatever that thing is for the person listening, it's like latching onto that outcome that you're looking for, the driver, um, the journey that you, the thing that you want to experience. And then that, that makes it worth the effort to, to do, you know, to go through these processes. Like, and that's a big challenge as well. To actually feel like you're worthy of the process, and you know, I'm not a pro athlete, so this doesn't apply to me. No, like if if you if you've got something to achieve, then you know this this matters. Like you you, you know, look for look for where you can find a new change, a new advantage. Um,
1: well, mate. So just just going back to um, Money Club, I had a guy just text me on Facebook going, oh, I, you know, like a." Read about what you do. What do you do? And I said, "Oh, mate, um, I'll send you this. I'll send you a little um, bit of information, and just get back to me. See what you see. What you think?" And it was it was the um, the sales script. He's the first guy I've never had to talk to to sign up to do a course. So there's a big win for me. Yeah. The actual script. He went. Mate, love it. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. You've actually got words that represent
0: what people, you know, what people need to to understand about your work, and it speaks to them in the way that they want need to be spoken to, so they can start the process. And then you know the process is good. It's not manipulation for for money. It's you, you know you're going to deliver on the product. You've got a guarantee there, etc. Um, it's it's about being able to have that conversation the right way so yeah that's i love that tony you know that's a great example that you're actually going through this process actively yourself of of rewiring taking on new skills and getting a shift in the results you know in your life that you want to have you know as a
1: result well that's a whole that's the whole idea of living isn't it just to keep growing
0: it's that sounds like a sounds like a good plan to me (laughs) Uh, I really, really appreciate your time, Tony. Um, if people want to learn more about what you're up to, I'll put some uh, some links and things, but what's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
1: So are either on Facebook, Tony Priddle, um, We Transcend, and just got a new website up, wetranscend.net. Perfect. So. Well,
0: yeah. Thanks so much for today and, uh, yeah, really excited to see how this, this project uh,
1: continues. My pleasure, Keegan. It was great talking to you.